0: Now on to the podcast. Two more weeks of on-location episodes. This week we head to Enid, Oklahoma for the NJCAA Division II Championship. Enid is another bucket list location for a baseball fan. The NJCAA and the town of Enid provide a phenomenal student-athlete experience. These interviews were going on during the tournament, so thanks to the coaches for sitting down with me. In this episode, we'll hear from Frederick's Rodney Bennett, St. John's River's Ross Jones, Lackawanna's Mike McCary. South Arkansas's Cannon Lester, Lancey's Stephen Cutter, Southeastern's Justin Schulte, and Heartland's Chris Razzo. Congrats to Heartland for bringing home their first NJCA baseball championship. My mother, Candace, was enrollment director there for a long time, so happy for her and the Hawks. Let's welcome everyone to the podcast. All right, here we've been at Frederick Community College, 21 seasons. Uh, congrats for being here
1: again. Absolutely, it's, uh, it never gets old.
0: I just got named to the NJCA Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you? Hmm.
1: wow. It means the uh, first thing you think of are just an endless amount of people. Um, it's, it's truly, truly a group effort. And it's, uh, it starts with family, starts at home, uh, with the sacrifice, who supports you through that sacrifice. And then it goes through the dedicated assistant coaches that are right beside you that do everything you do. And then of course, the hundreds and hundreds of players that, uh, that basically bought into your vision, your way of doing things. And it works out to the pinnacle, I guess, what I do as a coach. And uh, I couldn't be more grateful or humbled.
0: How was the call? I don't think any of us expect that phone call. So you know, how was the phone call?
1: <laughs> well, the ironic thing was I was in a meeting and I had a missed call, and to be honest with you, I thought it was spam because it was a number that I did not recognize at all. I didn't recognize that number. And um, so after the meeting was over, I go out in the hallway and, and um, I listened to it. And they first started out telling me, you know, chair of the NJCA Hall of Fame committee, Dwight called me and, and, uh, and he said, You've just been inducted. It's like, I just, it just froze. So, uh, so I stopped it. I played it again. <laughs> I'm like this, really, just happened. Um, so, yeah, it, it comes out of left field. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no thinking this is ever gonna be on my radar or think it's gonna happen. But it was, it was beyond special.
2: And it's
0: probably the ones that actually get it are the ones that don't yeah. expect it. Honestly, the ones that stay humble, the ones that don't really expect it. That's not their end goal is to be in the Hall of Fame. I think mm-hmm. those are the ones that, that because of baseball, I think those are the ones that that get in.
1: Yeah, I mean you, we, it's like, you know, any profession you do, you get up every day, you want to do a good job and you keep doing, going about your business. Well, one day you, you know, you want to get promotions, you want to move up and you know, for us there there is none of that, but but I guess to be recon- I think what to be recognized by your peers, to, to be recognized by people that you go go to battle against and people from afar and people right next to you just look at your overall body of work and thought, you know what? You know, you hope they say FCC does it right you know and that's that's all we want from it
0: and it's well deserved we <clears throat> have over 700 wins thousand games coach so i mean it is well deserved that that you're getting this honor um, you know we spoke three years ago have you made any adjustments with the program since three years ago
1: i, I think we adjust every day you know i i think we absolutely adjust every day and i i think that we adjust to the times meaning you know maybe we have more social media presence maybe we have more uh, analytics than normally that, that we didn't have in the past. And I think, uh, you know, it's amazing in this sport, yesterday was literally a year ago, you know, and, and, and so, you know, this, this game could pass you by if, if you don't stay on top of it, but you know, from three years ago to now, this is, uh, I remember, you know, that was the COVID year, um, essentially that for us, I remember vividly it was, we were not allowed to practice till February 15th. The season started March 3rd. We couldn't play a non-league schedule, but we were allowed to go to the postseason, and we, we ended up making it here, and we've been here ever since. It's been uh, – it's been – very special. When
0: you know, we talk about analytics, what analytics are you paying attention to? You've got a lot of history in the game, so maybe some analytics that you pay attention to. Maybe a newer coach is paying attention to something different. Which ones do you kind of bear down from an analytics standpoint?
1: Well, I, I'm, I do like spin rates. I, I think spin rates are extremely important at all levels. And I, and I think because the spin rates come into factor when you have a high school breaking ball or a high school slider, the hitter thinks, well, you know, I I can hit sliders, I can hit breaking balls. The college breaking ball or slider may move this much more. And that's the difference that some hitters really struggle with. So I think to me, I mean, there's a lot of things to go into, but I think, but I'm also a very simplistic guy. And and I'm I'm one of those very basic fundamentals. And and for me though, the, the spin rate of what they have to get used to, fastballs are fastballs. But the spin rates, uh, I, I think, for me are...
0: I think it tightens the tunneling up for the pitcher. You know, I think it allows them to see release point <clears throat> in their fastball and their breaking ball and their changeup. I think it tightens up the, the tunneling fact, which is why I think you see more strikeouts now, because I think yeah. it's there's a lot more deception with this generation of pitchers because they're able to make those adjustments quicker as far as where they're releasing all of their pitches from, which makes it much harder on the hitter because yes. the first 10 feet, they're reading it. and they're trying to guess where the ball is at the plate. Absolutely. I think that's where the biggest benefit is from a tunneling standpoint for the pitcher.
1: Sure, absolutely.
0: What are the strengths of this team this year?
1: I think overall defensively we have been extremely solid slash consistent most of the year. Offensively, now, we started off this World Series pretty slow, but uh, offensively, most of the season we've been pretty steady and getting good production. Uh, you know, on the mound, we're pretty young, pretty young on the mound, and uh, you know, when you have, when you're young, you know, the one place I always say you you don't really the ideal situation is not to be young is on the mound. But uh, but
0: but with an older offense and yes. defense, it's going to help cover some of their the deficiencies. Yes. They might yes. get a few more runs as opposed to an older pitching group that has a younger hitting, exactly. sti- hitting group that you might be able to cover up some deficiencies.
1: Well, it is, and we have, you know, we have six or seven starters out here that, that went to a World Series last year position-wise. So you get them back with a bunch of younger arms, again, it helps, it helps take the pressure off of them for sure. But this, is, this has been, you know, the hardest thing to do in sports is win when you're supposed to. So in our area, we were supposed to make it back here Three years in a row and it's just not, it's just not that easy and and to know that like like our particular program where we're located at in the country that when they wake up every day there's a target on the back so it's to know that you have to whether you think that you're supposed to be at a certain level and perform and then do it is i'm pretty proud of them you know
0: do you talk any different guy elimination game today? Did you discuss it much? Do you talk about it or is it, hey, we still got to just go out and play and we can't focus on
1: that? Yeah, I mean, it, the hardest thing to, know, to do is, is to know that in the back of your head, you know, w- there's no room for error, this could be it. And, you know, when you first get here, that first game is so, so key. And for a lot of these new guys, at this this game, this magnitude, this level, things just snowball in a hurry. And and what happened was that it snowballed in a hurry game one, and I think their fears, whatever their fears were, came true. So the speech we had afterwards, you know, that I had with them the next day was just simply, hey, the worst thing that happened to you just happened to you. So just relax, go out and play ball. The end result in the scoreboard is irrelevant. Just go out here, just give it all you got, and let's see what happens. And, uh, you know, easier said than done, but, I think I could tell when to get off the bus today, well, I have no idea the outcome of today, but I do know there's a little hop in step today. So confidence is confidence and confidence. So you just hope you can sustain against another quality opponent, but it's not easy.
0: And now you just stack up wins. I yeah. mean, you know, that, that's the one benefit now is you're gonna stack up wins. You're gonna play a team that just came off loss, so you You're know, catching you, them at the you, right you time. You can stack up wins now here. You know, it happens we a hope. lot in tournament environments is you can yeah. start stacking up wins as a team that loses early because you're playing yeah. somebody that's coming off of loss.
1: Well, what's really important to a team that's just coming off a loss, a high seed, a number two seed here at the tournament, the key to today is, is starting strong for us. So if we can start off strong, we kind of got them reeling a little bit. Um, you know, we had a good night's sleep after a win, and I'm sure if they're any competitive in them like we are, they didn't have a good night's sleep. So, so I, I think the last thing they want is that come out and we come out strong. So we hope that happens.
0: The makeup of your roster, are you dealing much with the transfer portal with guys at four year schools that are, are coming back? Are you dealing much with that?
1: We just a little bit this this midbreak. We we brought in four guys at midbreak and, and that's the first time we had done that for a while. Um, <clears throat> but coming into this next season, into the next fall I've already been contacted by a number of guys and, and now it's about a matter of fit. I mean, I could get in the transfer portal a lot and, and go off in a different direction here. I just, a lot of
0: schools, in, a lot of four year schools in your area.
1: There, there are. I just um, junior college, junior college in general, always been important. But for baseball, it's extremely important, and it's always been that way because baseball was the one sport where it seemed like there was a longer line to get into play. So junior college was ideal to kind of wait your turn to go in and do your thing. Now. The transfer portal really are affecting freshmen. And, and it is. And it, it bothers me as a baseball person that there's some freshmen out there that they're just no, there's no seats at the table anywhere. So, um, but anyway, the, the transfer portal, I, we have obviously gotten guys out of the portal, but not as many as you may suspect. But again, it may be a lot more coming up it's hard to tell.
0: And I've asked, you, I mean, you've sent a lot of guys to the next level. Mm-hmm. You look at your track record of putting guys out, it's a large number every year that you're putting out to the next level. So you've done a great job of developing guys in your program and getting them moved on, and that just speaks volumes to what you've been able to do, but it, it's a large number of guys that you're sending on every year.
1: Yeah, well, that, to me, that is why I I think that our our players, their support system, their coaches who, who recommended them us come to Frederick. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that 98% of our guys go to four-year schools and 97% of them graduate. I mean, that's, if that doesn't happen, I, I don't know why I'm here. I mean, that's, that's the point of this. So, uh, th- them moving on is a win for me personally. That, that's, that's why they come here.
0: How much mentoring goes on after they leave?
1: You know what? More than what you would think. Um, I love it when, when you know, they call back at their next stop, maybe, and said, you know, hey coach, Got a little situation here with how, I'm not quite sure how to read my position coach or, you know, how do I, you know, so it's good that they still want to know that we can be a viable resource for them. Cause that that's mentoring for all of us is extremely important. It's nice to know that they'll do that. And it's nice to get job references. You know, it's nice to be invited I to weddings. Love,
0: I still love writing references for, for oh, players. It's the best. I love it. I love when they reach out to write references.
1: It is. Well, it also helps you like, you know, thank, you know, to know that they thought of you is, uh, you know, that's, sometimes you're like, really? I didn't realize, <laughs> you know. so but, but the relationship part of this is priceless. There's no price tag to that. And that's what baseball especially does. Any turning points this season for you? Turning points, I think, um, you know, about halfway through the season, we were trying to learn how to consistently show up and play. And, and what that means is, you know, when – when you are the other opponent, most of your opponents, when you are their marquee matchup, they get a little juice in them to come play you. Us, we just have the same mindset every day, but what you have to understand is, is everyone is going to come bring it. They're going to bring it. And, and just to be prepared every day, even for that team, when you look at their record, doesn't look very impressive. You're in a dogfight every day, and that's learning how to show up every day. Not every other day, every third day complacency and I think uh, maybe we were getting a little complacent early with early success and uh, I think we we had a what we considered a tough couple tough losses and then from that moment on it kind of it kind of jilled.
0: How much do off the field routines and habits help them become more consistent on the field?
1: I, I think it's 90 percent of their success and people ask me but hey you know you you're this ex-coach you're this certain kind of coach when they refer to me I coach 10% of the time 10% of the time I'm teaching a kid how to how to field a ball the other 90% is mentally getting them prepared to go by also setting up a structured plan because how they prepare themselves is everything and preparing themselves is making sure they budget their time to get up to go to school budget their time to do laundry budget their time to study budget their social time it's you throw them into adulthood pretty quickly. And it's, and if you, if you can't keep it together on certain parts of your life, it's hard to do what you love. So that, that to me, off the field is everything for us here.
0: And, and I think, especially the young kids, I don't think they always realize that. And the, the French chefs call it mise en place, it's basically setting up your entire day to now go out and be able to perform at your best. Like that's an entire, deal of doing that day after day after day it does allow you to to be at your best at the field not that you're always going to perform at that top end but they talk about raising the floor yeah you're basically raising your floor so now every day that you show up those lows aren't as low and it does get you to your best peak performance
1: yeah absolutely and i'm a big believer in routines you know and like always the day before we'll tell them when we leave the stadium tomorrow you're going to do this at this time you're going to do this at this time And, you know, like yesterday, as soon as we found out whether we were home or away for this game, text the group, green and white, bus leaves at 7.45, um, curfew at 10 o'clock, we're eating at 6 o'clock. So, it's just so you can manage your time, budget your time, and know what you got to do to be prepared to go around those stops. I'm also big on that with players. Like, everyday players know they're everyday players, but once in a while we want to make a move with something. I will let that young man know the day before so they can mentally get ready, hey, you're in tomorrow. So that, I'm a big believer on uh, just helping people be prepared and be transparent.
0: What about you personally with routines? I mean, what routines have helped you as a coach?
1: <laughs> that is an outstanding question. I'll tell you the routine in me is not a routine, it's, it's an emotion. It's a fear of failure. So the fear of failure makes sure that everything is covered from the bus driver knows what time we're leaving. At, to every detail, it's details. It's details of details. The fear of me letting something slip is my routine. <laughs> and so, you know, like in my office, we have a, the yearly schedules on my on my dry erase board for every month, like a year in advance I already planned for next year. So that's just me. I, it's just, that's me.
0: It takes some pressure off you too. Like, it does. You, you know it's it's already pretty much taken care of it does open up your day to day a little bit more. And, and not that you have a ton of free time, right, right. but it does give you a little bit of time to, you know, I'm of the work hard, you know, play hard part. We have to work extremely hard. We also have to recover hard too. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that allows you, when it's time to work, you're focused on the work, but when it's time to get away from it, you can get away from it then yeah. too, because you know it's already set.
1: Yeah, well, once your schedule's pre-planned, it, you just work everything around what your priorities are. Whatever your, whatever your responsibilities, priorities are, you're just working around it. And if you stick to that, everything just runs smoothly. For me personally, and obviously for the program.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's a common factor with all successful people is they get to that level, but they're still worried about the, the details. Oh. Like that never goes away. They don't feel like they're doing enough, which is crazy. Somebody's going into the Hall of Fame, but that's with every successful person we have at every level. They get to that point, but they still know that, that they have work to do and that they, there's things that they can't let slide.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, I, I think it's impossible to be successful and do everything at the last second. I don't know how that's possible. You get lucky once in a while, yes, but it's just not possible. You got you know, that, that old line is, you know, it's preparing, you know, failure to plan is preparing to fail. And I, I'm a big believer. If you're just not prepared or organized, you're going to fail. I just, I just don't. I don't know any other way.
0: How do you deal with people that aren't on that? Because I deal with it a lot. I like to plan <laughs> things out, especially with podcasts, with <clears> podcast guests. I'll have them lined up, but then they'll make an adjustment. Then I'm like, hey, can we do it this morning? I'm like, no, Like I have it scheduled out. So how do you deal and set those boundaries maybe with somebody who's not on the same page as you with that?
1: Well, it, that's there's there's a lot of, and I hate to use the reference to sports, but there, there are a lot of people that we, we would deal with in life that are not sports-minded. And you know, if I say two o'clock to them, it's two-ish. I don't know what ish means, (laughs) all right? So when I say two o'clock, I'll be, here at right? I'll be here at 1.45 and well, I'm yeah, like, you and I were texting
0: to set this up and I'm trying yeah, to, to well, get it going because I, I wanted to be cognizant of your time, but yeah. also make sure everything's ready for you and we're ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, that text thread this morning, it was just trying to make sure that everybody's yeah. on the same page. Yeah,
1: I, absolutely. But I think, you know, just like my father always instilled with me, he said, son, if you tell, you tell someone a time, you're gonna be there. You tell someone you're gonna do something, do it. If you're not gonna do it, that's okay. You just let them know. But, but that, to me, those are the small things that just add up. But yeah, you know, trying to deal with that is some, I don't deal with it well. I, I don't deal with it well because when I see that, that, that tells me that maybe your time is more valuable than my time and it's, it's disrespectful and they don't realize it's disrespectful. But that's the
0: golden is. rule thing. That's treat is. people how you would want to be treated. So, right. Well, yeah, it's okay it,
1: because I was, um, you know, I, I, I was too long getting a coffee this morning. Well, I could care less about that. <laughs> All I know yeah, don't is... don't get your coffee. Yeah, like, but, honestly, yeah. if I
0: was running late, and I, I was not late, but yeah. for me, that 15-minute early window period, don't, stuff right. would go away. Oh, Sorry, I was late on the coffee. I'm not going to get coffee today. I'm going to go make sure I'm on time All for this.
1: Exactly. And yes. that's, but that's the... That's it. Someone, there's a little voice in your head saying, I'm gonna have to pass on this because I have other obligation that I was supposed to be to. But yeah, that, to me though, that's, I think that is an extremely important trait for any coach. I mean, there are a lot of coaches that are far better coaches than I am. The X's and O's and stuff like that. But I think if I gave every advice to any coaches, is that. It's just be organized, stick to the details. The devil's in the details, I guess, is what they like to say.
0: Yeah. Thanks for your time, coach. Yeah, no, we'll absolutely, like it's
1: always a pleasure. Thank Appreciate you. you.
0: i here with Ross Jones, St. John's River, a head coach since 2008, also an athletic director. Coach Jones, you and I go way back, so thanks for jumping on with me.
3: No problem, Ryan, good to be here.
0: You, know, you guys have transitioned from Division One to Division Two, correct? Yes. How many years? This is our first year. Okay, so obviously it's worked out well.
3: Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lot different. We're still playing the same people. In Florida, so you know we we played uh, like 25 games against you know the Division One teams, and then just our 30 games in our conference.
0: Yeah. I mean, how good is college baseball in Florida overall? You look at every level of college baseball, you can name some of the top teams in college baseball in Florida.
3: Well, I think you know traditionally it's it's been very very strong, you know, and, and um, you know I you know. The more you travel and the more you're around, you see good baseball everywhere, you know. I think, you know, at the younger levels, you know, in particular, you know, the junior college level, um, you see a lot more, um, I guess, parity across the country. Um, but, yeah, I mean, traditionally it's been very strong, and in, particularly this year it's been very strong.
0: What is the strength of your team this year?
3: Our, yeah, our strength – it's hard to say, you know, we could pitch it a little bit. We've got really good rotation. We've got a couple of really good arms out of the bullpen. Um, you know, offensively, we're very, um, you know, we've got some power throughout the lineup, but we can run. And you know, we're at, you know, pretty athletic. You know, we've hit 70-plus home runs and stolen over 100 bases now. And, um, so we can do some different things. We can play, play a little bit of offense.
0: I met your third baseman's mom in the laundromat yesterday, by the
3: way. It's going to okay. Auburn, correct? Yes. Yeah.
0: She's a big fan of yours.
3: Yeah, well, that's good.
0: I mean, you've been around some of the best head coaches we've had along the way. You're with Dusty Rhodes, you're with Roy Muburn, you're with yeah. Pat McMahon. I mean, what'd you pick up from those guys along the way?
3: Well, I was you know, I was really fortunate to uh, to have been around those guys and, and uh, coming out, you know as a player coming out of professional baseball straight into college coaching you know you kind of thought you knew everything which you know you really didn't um but being around those guys really helped us and and uh developing a program of what we do and a system of of what we do i've taken a little bit from everybody but uh, i I would have to say that you know the dusty Rhodes and, and pat mcmahon have you know and, you know, every day I go to practice, I kind of think about what, what would they want to do today. You know, I still, I'm still in that assistant mode sometimes.
0: Different personalities, mm-hmm. correct? I mean, oh, Those yeah. three guys, way different personalities. Yeah,
3: really, really different personalities. Um, you know, I was just fortunate to be around the three of them and, and, uh, and learn a lot from them.
0: You know, is there a benefit to this tournament of being a lower seed? Because if you win the first day, you got a, a day off. Is there a benefit in that?
3: Well, you know, the seating. You know, I want to have to disagree a little bit with some of how the seating works. It's hard
0: with a ten team tournament. To make it's it a
3: ten team tournament, but you know, I, I don't. I don't think the committee gets to see w- what people have. They're looking at a piece of paper, and they're, I, you know, I don't think they um, have a real good idea of of what what a team's really like. Um, but. Again, that that's, that's part of it at our level. That's part of what we have to deal with. NAI
0: goes through it, too. They have a 10-game yeah. the bracket. You know, although they all get a day off on Sunday. If they don't have rain, every one of those teams yeah. got a day off yesterday in Lewiston.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a, this, it's a unique format, for sure. It's, it's one I haven't been in before.
0: What are some keys to developing pitchers? You're one of the best pitching minds that we have in the game. So what are some keys to developing pitchers?
3: Well, you know, I think – Number one, we're, tr- we're not we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, you know. We, we try to keep things simple. You know, we just care teach we we just don't we want to beat ourselves. We don't want to make it difficult. Um, pitching do, is. Do you have
0: any core values? Is it two out of three in the zone? Do you have anything that you're relaying to your guys as far as what you're trying to do when they're out there?
3: Well, we more or less we you know we talk about the uh, you know the. The, the cardinal sins of baseball, you know, um, 0-2 to 3-2 counts, you know, leadoff walks, you know, two out, nobody on walks, those, those are cardinal sins. Um, we talk about that quite a bit, but we, we try to be efficient. Um, and we're, we're gonna pitch with a fastball. You know, uh, you see, you come out here and you see different pitching philosophies, you see a lot of 20 0 change-ups, you see a lot of 3-1 breaking balls and stuff like that. We're gonna come at you. You know, and we'll make you hit.
0: Does that trickle down from the big leagues, though? I mean, you see those guys throwing way more breaking balls. Well, way more you know, than they ever have. Now the stuff might be a little bit different, but yeah. I'm with you. I'm I'm a fastball first guy to set everything else yeah. up. But I think it's trickled down from the big leagues where you're seeing those guys throw 55 to 60 percent breaking balls now.
3: Yeah, it's you know I think it's especially relievers, um, but you know I think everybody's different. You know, and and, the thing I try to do is I I want to pitch with our guys' strengths. Yeah.
0: What were some turning points this season?
3: Uh, You know, know, we played a really good schedule and, uh, you know, our pre-conference schedule, um, our first 24 games were against, you know, Miami-Dade and Northwest Florida State and, you know, Polk and all those guys. and we came out of it pretty good. I think we, you know, we went into conference play with, uh, you know, I think 15 or 16 wins. You know, we beat Miami-Dade and we beat Northwest Florida State. And I think getting in, once we got into conference, um, we had a few injuries. Um, Tyler Henriquez, our third baseman at the time, um, tore his ankle up. He was our four-hole hitter. He was leading the state of Florida and hitting in home runs. And we, he played his first game back two nights ago. It's
0: good to get um, a lineup, like we're, we're having
3: to play him in left field. Um, he can hit a little bit. Um, and we lost a kid named Jack Schraft, who was our five-hole guy, who's just, just a monster. He dislocated his shoulder on a swing and had surgery. We lost him for the year. But we were lucky because we had some some depth. But we had, uh, we went through a little phase there and trying to to get some other guys and kind of figure some lineup stuff out defensively and everything else. Um, Once we kind of got, got that figured out and the moves we had to make, we started playing really, really well. Was
0: that kind of around the time with the doubleheader with Pasco? Around that time in the middle of the year?
3: Yeah, yep. It was, you know, and you know, just like any any other time, so, you know, when you play 56 games, there's there's peaks and valleys. There's peaks and valleys. So we just kind of stayed consistent throughout the year. You just, talked
0: to Morgan much about his time at Illinois State with my dad and brother, your sister. He was my dad and brother's bad boy from five years old. Yeah, five years,
3: we've so. talked so. about. Does that he have any Jim Brownley stories? Oh, uh, you know, I, I've I've had a few for him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I remember the days back. Uh, uh, after a ball game in Evansville, Indiana, find a little hole-in-the-wall tavern in downtown. Galaxies. Yeah, boy! I tell you what, we spent a few hours in there with your dad. Yeah, it was a long that was a long time ago. You know,
0: those are some of my dad's best memories because yeah. he would take uh, basically an RV down to play golf with Coach Mewburn. They called it the Transcontinental oh, yeah. Golf Outing. So he would come down. He loved Coach Mewburn. You know, just yep. Yeah. That was one of his favorites in the game. So yeah. Very good. do you think Coach Muberin gets much credit for what he did at Vanderbilt?
3: You know the the administration at Vanderbilt at the time
0: they guys had good We played you guys every yeah. year too made no and you team. always had good players, right. but obviously if, if, if you that, had some of the it scholarship
3: was, it was the debt issues. Back then, yes, if yeah. you had
0: some of the scholarship what they have now. Right, the that's facilities, a, that's a different thing.
3: the facilities, the scholarships, and those types of things. You know, um, I, you know, I, as a recruiting coordinator, I always fought. You know, man, let us get our hands on some of this Vanderbilt grant money. You know, and they never would do it. They never would let us do it. And Roy, I was fighting those battles, and Roy was trying to fight battles on the end of trying to get a stadium built and, and that was non-stop. I think we spent more time trying to get, um, we tried to get more time building a program than, than coaching, you know, it was, we didn't have the support staff and I mean it was me and Roy and and one other assistant, that's all, we, that's all there was, you know. We shared a strength coach with football, so we, we Our guys didn't even know his name, you know, and and stuff like that. But college baseball has changed a lot in the last 35 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, has that been the biggest difference for you now with college baseball now back then? It's just the resources that are being pumped into the programs.
3: Absolutely. You know, know, I went from Vanderbilt to the University of Florida. You go to the University of Florida and, you know, I'm sitting down. I remember my first week at Florida, you know, saying, you know, can I – I need to see the recruiting budget. And they just kind of looked at me and well, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, where's the recruit? I need to see what, you know. They said, oh, we don't have a recruiting budget. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, it was like, it was a little bit different. They put the resources into it and it shows.
0: Thanks for your time, coach. Yeah, thank you. Here with Michael Carey, Lackawanna, fifth season as head coach. And yes, thanks for jumping on with me after a big victory. Appreciate it.
4: Thanks for being here.
0: Good bounce back from uh, from yesterday. You guys played well yesterday, too. Just sometimes that happens in baseball. And Absolutely. What'd you tell the guys after the game last night?
4: Uh, just take care of your body. It's going to be a quick turnaround. It's going to be almost like playing a doubleheader with a nap in between. So yeah. let's just let's get home, get some food, and get ready to go do what we do well.
0: Yeah, and now you're in a good position because obviously you're going to face teams that are coming off a loss. So exactly. You don't want to lose that first game. But now. No. Now you're going to face somebody who's coming off a loss, so you're actually in a pretty sure. good position. Now.
4: Yeah, no, I like I like where we're at. We might get some pitching back. I think uh, get the legs underneath us with a yeah. 27-hour break. I think I got it mapped out. I think we'll be okay.
0: Yeah, as as happens in tournament settings, you get a little bit of a lead, and then they start to work back. How did the end of the game manage for you, pitching uh, staff wise? Basically,
4: I was I was using a young man who for three years has been a position player for. In the eighth inning he's been willing to, he's thrown bullpens it's not like he's never done it and his precise percentage is really high so we figured we'd give him a shot and then it looked like he ran out of gas so we went to one of the regular relievers to get the last out
0: talk about dennis pierce third baseman a little bit oh
4: man so first weekend of the year on about his third swing he breaks his handmade bone 100 it gets misdiagnosed the first they put him through rehab and then a second doctor looks at it and says hey you you tore that thing clean off so like second week of April, they were like, we can, uh, we can do surgery on you, but no guarantee you'll play this year. And he said, well, if you just take the bone out instead of repairing it, does that mean I can swing whenever I can handle the pain? And they said, yeah, he was swinging 10 days later. And uh, it still
0: hurts, but he's, he's gotten through it. I wish we would rewrite the protocol for handmate Bone because everyone I've ever had, they take too long. It's like sure. you know what it is. Exactly. Just go in there and get it out. Just, just take go it take out. it out.
4: So he's yep. been awesome. He does, he'd never wore batting gloves before now, but I talked him into doing it because sometimes during the game it starts bleeding.
0: Does he does he have the padding? Like that's some of our guys would try yeah, to just put a little bit. A right little there. bit of wrap around it stuff yep. like that.
4: So yep. he's working
0: through it. What are some of the other strengths of the team this year?
4: Oh we can really run. I think plate discipline and running has kind of been the backbone of what we do. Uh, just kind of being able to create offense out of thin air it tends to be what we, we excel at. You have a
0: guy with 51 stolen bases?
4: Yes. 54 awesome. now. Yeah, fifty-four. Yeah.
0: One, you got to get on to do that. Yeah. I mean, how is he handled? Obviously, teams know he's going to run. How yep. has he handled that? Say it's been
4: different with more talented catchers behind the plate and some teams kind of queuing in on him. Um, what I told him to do is if you can draw two pickoff throws, that's as good as a stolen base to me, and that's what he's trying to do. So,
0: Talk about the Colts Collegiate Baseball League a little bit coach Colts collegiate baseball?
4: Oh, so uh, as soon as I stopped playing and uh, I did a year of high school coaching, there's a men's league called the Delco League down in Philadelphia. It's been around as long as the American and National League. Uh, Babe Ruth played in it, per legend. And uh, my great uncle, Danny Murtall, played in it also and managed in it before he managed the Pirates. Um, I just basically had an opportunity to take over one of the old franchises and coach it for a few years. And I used it as a way to give a summer league to some disadvantaged kids in the Philadelphia area. Uh, you still see the remnants of it on my team. If you see a Latin American kid from Philadelphia or Allentown, they probably came through the same cycle that the Colts team kind of did.
0: I mean, what drew you to that? Obviously you and I are white males. I mean, yeah. what drew you to that? Uh,
4: I had the opportunity to work in Latin America a little bit. And um, then I worked for Mercedes-Benz USA and got to travel a good bit. And I just kind of fell in love with the idea that you can, you can give guys opportunities no matter where they're from. And if you can connect with them, which I, I try to, I don't, I don't pretend to all the time, you can build trust and then integrate them into something that they didn't have access to. So we try and do that all the time.
0: And that's why you're involved with RBI and Major League Baseball as well? Absolutely.
4: Yeah, it's just, I just think there's a lot of places with travel ball and stuff like that where there's, there's kids hidden that can really play, and there's kids hidden that really want to play.
0: I mean, how did you find a life of service then? I mean, we, don't, we all don't just find that. Like, it's a uh, calling. So I mean, what, when did that light bulb go on for you? That this I'm is what I'm blessed
4: to be, to be raised by really good parents. Um, My dad's a Vietnam vet. Uh, He constantly was involved in nonprofits when I was growing up. And my mom actually runs a nonprofit uh, for service dogs and stuff like that. So we just kind of look at it like if I can help advance somebody, that's better for me than me trying to advance in a lot of ways.
0: You know, know, I've talked about this a little bit, but you're big on mentoring players after they leave the program. And I mean, is that that part of your job as a junior college coach to make sure they're okay after they leave the program?
4: There's no guarantee that the leadership somebody's going to play under or work under is as connected as I was with a player. So if I can be that sounding board, so that they don't have to take a leap of faith with somebody else, that's my job. 100%.
0: Do you manage their workload differently? Oh, yeah. Towards the end of the year? Yeah. I mean, knowing that you're probably going to end, not that you're always going to end up here, but you got a chance. Do you manage that workload differently?
4: Absolutely. We, uh, we start looking at it almost like a crescendo effect. We start to taper the work. Uh, I had the benefit of I was a really high level swimmer in high school, and I always noticed as I got towards meets, they'd truncate the amount you were swimming and you would do it in faster bursts. So we cut down BP. I say our practices were rarely over 70 minutes. Over the last two months, just trying to get ourselves in a spot where we had the right energy bar.
0: Coming from from swimming side too, how much are you into goal setting? Uh, a lot. Because winning isn't normal was one of my favorite books. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> it's, that was it's a great the, book. the pamphlet they gave Amer- you know, the U.S. Olympic swimmers. Gotcha. So I got a lot of stuff out there. I still would have players write with dry erase markers on the mirrors with their goals, what they're trying to do. That was a swimmer and track thing with sure. their numbers.
4: and I think the beauty of swimming is as an individual sport, even if you're on a team. And a lot of times from a coaching perspective, we want to build a team and we kind of negate the individual side of it. So like what I like to do is I like to say, Hey, I haven't had a player exactly like you, but I've had a guy that's 80% of you. And here's what he did. Here's what I'd like you to do, you know, and here's how you can kind of anecdote what you're doing to get there. And then they set those goals and kind of run with them.
0: What'd you learn from Jamie chef shit?
4: Oh, everything, man. I was a, I'm his second recruiting class, I think. I had three great years with him. Learned how to win without making winning the focus. There was never pressure to win, but everything we did was adding up to winning. Jamie's 28 years old. He was driving a broken Mitsubishi. He wasn't married at the time. He got married, I was at his wedding. He got married when when I was there. And it's just one of those things that was like, let's just take care of all the other stuff and the wins will take care of themselves. And that's always been the focus. I'm, I'm, never. We just won our 40th game today. I've never won 40 games. I didn't know until the coaches told me. Let's just do the right stuff and get there. Like, that, that's all it is.
0: Is that the first time you had seen that in a baseball program before you got there?
4: 100%. Yeah, 100%. I had never, I'd never been privy to that level of organization and focus day in and day out that Jamie brought. And I'm, I'm grateful to it all the time.
0: Did it take you long to get buy-in from yourself on that? Or was it like, OK, <sighs> this is different? But it's good.
4: I think just where I was in the pecking order, I wasn't super talented, but I knew I could do some stuff. I, I think I needed to, to survive and uh, I had my off the field problems. I had my classroom problems. Jamie always kind of stuck by me and I learned that connectivity part.
0: Yeah. What are your biggest, biggest difference between division one and junior college?
4: <sighs> the depth I'd say. Um, I'd say my kids make a huge leap physically in the first 14 weeks. And then we got to see if that physical development translated on the field to what we want. And then we maybe get one more shot at it. And I always say, like, if I focus on the individual, I'm gonna walk a thin line between it being a winning program and an AAU program. I don't want it to feel like you're only here to get out of here. I've gotta let you work knowing that I'm gonna get you out of here. Uh, And that's the toughest thing. And I always tell kids, when it goes wrong, it's gonna go real wrong. I can feel that. We've been five years of it going right though, so.
0: You guys handled pressure last night. I mean, you're playing pretty good, higher seed. Do you pay attention to much of that, or is it still just focusing on us? It's just focus on us. Did you guys handle, you some pressure situations. Last night you guys handled well.
4: If we do what we're supposed to do, the chips will fall where they are, but we're going to be in the game. And it's just kind of be yourself. The the best skill my kids can have, the best tool is having a good mirror. Just know who you are, and, and we can ride with it. We'll be fine.
0: I mean, you got off to a good start. I mean, does yeah. that take a little bit of the pressure off you guys to oh, yeah. get off to a good start, especially in an elimination game? When
4: there's proof of concept, you're seeing a 55-3 and three team. You're seeing 94 with ride up in the zone. You barrel a couple balls in a gap, okay, your chest starts to stick out a little bit. Yeah. Maybe those guys who just nodded along and said they believe, start to believe. You know, that's what you want.
0: Any turning points this season?
4: Whew, um, you know, we had a ton of injuries. We had a whole lot of uh we had some arm stuff, we had some mental health stuff, we had two ham mates, we had a bunch of hamstring stuff. I think over Easter break, um, I scheduled, I was figuring we had a bunch of arms needed work, it's our non-conference buy. We went up to Rochester, which is about four hours away, and the next day we went to Avery Point out in Connecticut, another five hours away, and we can't, it was actually closer to come back to the five and go to the four. There was no sleep, and we won three out of those four games with like 18, 19 healthy guys. And we, were, we had a lead in the fourth one. And it was just kind of like, even after we lost that fourth one, we all looked at each other and said, there's enough here. There's enough here, no matter when the chip, where the chips are, what's happening, that we can win baseball games for ourselves.
0: With your mental health guys, what were they going through? What are they working through? Uh, just anxiety. We see it a lot now. Yeah. We talk about it a lot on the podcast. We had 75,000 suicides yeah, 45,000 suicides just, in 2021. I
4: it's- think we end up with a bunch of kids who can't separate reality from the narrative that they built. And a lot of them have been told things through recruiting or just performance or whatever it may be. And they've built that up to an end point where they don't actually know what the physical present is. The more I can draw them back into it, the better we are. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. and Justin Schulte and I talked about that earlier. You know, social media is not a real place, but no. people put that realness, especially the younger age kids, like they right. put a realness into that and it's not, it's fake world. So it's we've fake. got to try yeah. to help them work through that. Yeah. And
4: I think we. I'm only as good as the kids buying in and kind of helping each other. You know, I'm just one guy. So. What
0: will you do with the guys tonight to get them ready for
4: tomorrow? Ah, we're going to go to a barbecue with our Little League team. That's been so good to us this here. They, they make it so much easier. They, they make it so much more cost effective in a lot of ways. It's been fantastic. Uh, we'll watch some film, depending on who comes through. I'll send it to the phones. Normally they end up in the same hotel room doing some stuff. And then we'll just take a deep breath and I'll lay out the itinerary for tomorrow so they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, we haven't played a whole lot of 7 o'clock games, so we haven't played a whole lot on the road, much less. So let's, hey, here's when breakfast's gonna be, here's what we're new for lunch, here's the BP time. Let's go to bed knowing the plan for tomorrow. Do we you don't. guys have synergy? No, we do not.
0: So you're, how are you making it work with the video stuff? Trying um, online? Yes. and that's what we did. we didn't yeah. have synergy. And so you can find Twitter
4: stuff. Yes. You'll, you get the videos from these games. Um, we have some synergy access. Heartland's a synergy team. You know, like so there's there's some stuff we can piece together. It's really me just kind of sitting down and putting together the best five minutes of video, not to over inundate them in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. So when you're when you're breaking video down for guys, what are you trying to point out with an opponent, like opposing uh, pitcher, opposing I, hitter? Opposing
4: hitter. I just want tendencies per count and sequence. I just want to kind of know what you can expect. Uh, A lot of times we'll look at it and say, hey, the descent angles like this, maybe we're not playing out in front as much, maybe we're trying to play behind the ball, just generalizations. And then with as much as we run, Pitcher, catcher timing. Uh, we want to know where that general zone is, where we can find windows to run.
0: Yeah, I wanted to know ahead, even two strikes, and then exactly. if it was different when guys got in scoring How position.
4: comfortable they are doing certain things. And what things, they so. went to, you yep.
0: know, what they were going to go to with guys in scoring Yeah, position. and the, the,
4: the more we can educate them before we play on that, the less likely the adjustment takes multiple innings.
0: Thanks for your time, Coach. Nice no problem. For Thanks, Thanks for having me. Here with Cannon Lester, uh, South Park Community College. Uh, fairly new program, correct?
5: yes sir second year
0: okay first time here obviously
5: obviously yeah no doubt no doubt we're excited to be here
0: how was it trying to build the program
5: i was tough you know i got hired in i think the end of april and we had to play that next year and you know no no dorms no cafeteria no home field and so um it's a lot to build with but i think when guys are uh when you're desperate you can do a lot of things and so we got some good guys in our program and they probably had to play last year's freshman and they weren't, they shouldn't have been on the college roster playing every day but they got to get those at bats and got to get those innings and you know it's kind of paying dividends this year I think.
0: For somebody who has to go through that where would you start? Like if you had to go back to, you know three years you know where would you start? Would you do anything different or telling somebody like hey this is where you need to start?
5: Yeah I don't know you know I, I think you looking back and looking back the way we started obviously we'd like to do some things different but I think throwing us into the fire that quick, uh, getting in there. Uh, We got the right guys in the door, I think, on accident, just because they were desperate, we were desperate. Um, Everybody's kind of pulling in the same direction, and I think that's kind of been the difference between our program this year and last year, probably.
0: Is that a common denominator for junior college programs? You're bringing guys in there pretty hungry.
5: I would think so, you know. I think certain, I mean, you can look at our roster and I think we've probably got two or three guys on our roster that got recruited by other teams. The rest of them, we were the only people to talk to them. So, I think knowing that and they're all kind of going in the same direction, they kind of all have that in common. So, that's been a common thread for us.
0: What is the strength of your team this year?
5: Um, I think just experience, you know. I I think we've we've got one redshirt freshman in the lineup. We've got one true freshman hitting in the four hole. Um, we've plugged in a couple freshman pitchers, but a lot of them have been around. A lot of them are a little bit older and just, you know, having that experience and they, um, we've gotten whooped a lot and we've whooped a few people along the way and we've been down a lot and nothing gets too big and nothing's too small, I think.
0: Were there any turning points this season?
5: I, I mean, I think there's a few of them. You know, we, we, we were probably hovering around 500 until about conference start. We split the first weekend um, and maybe, maybe coming up here, we came up here to Enid. Um, four game series and we swept and uh just on this field and it's like hey remember this feeling we'll be back um swept those guys and in our conference four games in two days like not a lot of people you got to be tough to, to sweep conference series, and I think we did it for about the next four weeks from there. And then I think we went down to Eunice, obviously, and during our you know 18, 19 game win streak, and beat them for the first time. And that was obviously really big. And you know, we did it with probably our number five or six starter, and that kind of showed like, okay, we're a little different than we were last year.
0: Is that benefit of playing a challenging schedule? You guys get to see it.
5: Yeah, I think so. You know, if you look at Region Two. Um, It's really good up and down. Um, I'm from the top to the bottom, I mean, there's a new program in SAU Tech in Camden. I mean, they're rolling out a dude that's 88-92, first with a breaking ball, and they're hitting balls over the yard. And and there's a lot of good offensive teams in that region. And um, a lot of times, too, our pitchers are really tough. We don't play at the biggest ballpark, and Region 2 is not the biggest. So they give up a 400-footer and they'll get back in there and just attack the next guy. I'm not saying they got used to it, but they were really good at responding for sure.
0: And then coming here, obviously it's a little easier for guys to, to visualize seeing themselves here and playing well here, correct? Yeah,
5: we've played here a lot. I think with our sophomores, they've probably played, you know, 14, 15 games here over the last two years. So I think that really bodes well for just the familiarity and we've been around to eat it and it, it's the moment's definitely not too big.
0: The state of Arkansas, they're making a push to add junior college's team.
5: Oh, they're everywhere now. Yeah. I think next year we're going to have six in region two. We're going to split it up. I'm pretty excited, no offense to Oklahoma, but I'm excited not to have to come make three seven-hour drives in conference. You know, um, we're going to split it up. And then next year I think there's going to be eight or nine in there. And so it's exciting time for baseball. There's a lot of good um, – there's a lot of good people in Arkansas that can play, a lot of freshmen and sophomores that kind of get overlooked. Um, and so it's exciting for Arkansas baseball, for sure.
0: You went to El Dorado High School, correct?
5: I did, I did. That's where I'm from, El Dorado there, and that's where we're at now. You know, I was at the high school there before, and um, this job opened up kind of in my lap and got two kids. My wife liked their job, so we didn't have to move, and um, that, that's been awesome. And it's been awesome kind of building those. And we're, we're in a really good recruiting spot. You know, we're right on the Louisiana line, and we're only about an hour from Ruston, an hour and a half from Monroe, an hour and a half from Shreveport. Um, a lot of good baseball in that area, not too far from Dallas. And, South Louisiana, are really getting down there. So, it's it's a good spot to recruit too.
0: Plus, it's easier to get guys' looks there too, correct?
5: No, I, I think so, and you know, and we've seen, and I think it kind of bodes well, if you start winning, you get a little more looks and people listen a little more. So, that that's also been exciting for sure.
0: I mean, how was the hiring process for you at South Ark Was it pretty much a slam dunk that you were going to get the job? I, You know, I would, I thought
5: so at first, and then some other guys kind of came in and you hear names and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't match up with that guy. Um, but I was excited, you know, I was kind of looking to get back into college and, you know, I had coached at Southern Arkansas for a few years, before, a long time ago, um, and was kind of looking for that again. And, um, but, I, but I know a lot of college coaches, too, that they, they stay away from their families way too much. And this, I can kind of control the narrative. And, you know, I get home at 4 o'clock every day when we're not playing, and it, it's been great.
0: Yeah, and you played at South RQ, correct?
5: Yes, sir, I did. Yep, yeah, Division II school there in Magnolia. So
0: great pro, great Great, yeah, career. You no, had a great really, career. by really, the really, really good
5: program, and got to got to have some good years there, and got to coach there for three years after I got finished playing. So, um, you know, obviously a lot of things we do kind of stem from kind of what I learned from from those guys for sure.
0: Any difference from what you kind of did as a player, and then taking that into coaching? Maybe some differences.
5: I think so, for sure. You know, I think I think the best coaches kind of adapt uh, to their teams. I'll be honest, our team's really laid back. Um, they probably they know who we're playing tonight, but they probably honestly don't even know what state they're from. Um, and I think sometimes that bodes well. I think at the beginning last year, I kind of wanted guys to be like me. Uh, I was pretty intense. Um, I like to talk a little bit. Um, I knew exactly who we were playing, knew exactly what they were throwing. Um, I, I knew every pitch that was coming, I felt like. Um, our guys have no clue, um, but I think we've kind of bowed well with that. I mean, I think when we went down to uh, – we were down in the regionals and we had a day off and other coaches were like, hey, what time are you all practicing? I'm like, we're not practicing today. You know, we're going to play – we're going to bowl. Um, and I think our guys kind of embrace that, and I see that's what they're like, and sometimes it drives me crazy, but I know that's their personality. So we just kind of roll with it, and they just kind of roll with the punches, and, it, and it's worked out for us.
0: I mean, how, how important is that as an athlete? Obviously, mean, you want to work extremely hard, but when it's time to relax and recover, you need to check out from what you're doing and actually relax and recover.
5: No, I think it's that fine line, right? And you've kind of got to know your team. Like, I was that guy that could have gone 365, and it, and I'll be honest, I think we've got about Three or four guys in our entire roster are like that the other the other 35 guys are maybe on the opposite end of that so we do things a little bit different than everybody i mean we don't even we don't even team practice in the fall together the only time we get together as a whole team is uh we, we do pickoffs and we lift together and that's about it um we're really trying to find that fine line between player development and really burning them out because you know with the NCAA level, they've got time restrictions. We don't really have too many, and, you know, we can start on August 10th, and you talk about it's the end of May right now, and that's a long time, especially for freshmen and sophomores that haven't been through that grind. We saw that last year. We got hit like a brick wall, and, man, we take off a day, sometimes two a week, especially as the season goes on, and um, we're trying to find that fine line, and I think it's worked out pretty well for us so far.
0: With your new guys, I mean, where do you start – with your indie sessions with them, trying to fine tune some of the fundamentals?
5: Yeah, we just start out with individual evals. You know, we just kind of on the – I do all the offense, and Coach Hayden Dow, he's probably the separator on the pitching side. Um, you know, we get a, guy, a lot of guys that come in at, you know, 81, 82, 83, and sometimes they throw strikes, sometimes they don't. Um, I think we had 12 guys this year go over 90, um, and, and one of them came in throwing 90, and I think that's kind of a testament to what he does. But, you know, he sits them down and he does a checklist, and um, same thing on the hidden side, I Just get to know them. Like, hey, do you know your swing? Do you know what you do well? Um, are you a guy that likes to get talked to? Your guy? I used to be on the other end of it. Like, I was going to we – we're going to break everything down, we we're going to do – and now I'm on the opposite end of that. It's like sometimes the less they know, I think the better they are and be a little bit more adjustable with what we do. And, If they wanna get into the weeds, we can get into the weeds, but I'm only gonna get into the weeds with that one guy. Um, And you know, like I said, we're gonna do those six on ones. We do those um, four days a week in the fall and we meet together once or twice and do some VP on the field so they can get some D in. But for the most part, it's really getting to know them as an individual, really getting to do that stuff. it's it's been pretty good so far.
0: And not knowing the opponent, that's a little bit of a throwback approach pre-social media. Like you really didn't know who anybody else was. Now everybody knows who everybody else is yeah. because of social media.
5: No, that's what I think. It's got a fine line, right? When I was in high school, I saw way too many of our players get get beat before the game even started, and we kind of made a rule. It's like, hey. If I hear you talking about the dude on the other team, it better be that he's not very good in a very nice way of putting that. If I, t- if I hear you say how good he is or you come back to the dugout saying that's the nastiest curveball I've ever seen, um, I'm going to get on you pretty good. Um, we we got to believe that we're the best and uh, no, we're going to respect our opponents but we're not gonna give them, uh, we're not going to give them much leeway and we're not going to give them much credit.
0: I used to talk to our leadoff hitter. I'm like, hey, I don't care if he's got good stuff or not. When you come back to the dugout, just tell the guys like he's just okay.
5: Yeah, I was a big Jeter fan, and there's 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 things out there that says he would always come back to the dugout and with an expletive and there tell how bad that guy is on the mound. So, I, oh, we don't quite do that, but I kind of like that approach, and I, I like I like how he did that.
0: Any pressure on you as a local kid playing in a local college to perform well?
5: I don't think so. You know, I'll be honest. Until about two weeks ago, probably half the town didn't know we still had baseball. You know, so. Um, I don't think so, you know, it's really been enjoyable and the town's really been rallying around us lately and hopefully with that rallying cry, we can get a few more um, things that we would like to have that we think could take us over the top because I mean, right now this is fun and, but you know, to have success and be sustainable, I think that's hard, it's easy to do it for one year and to, like, you know, we've seen programs around us do that, do it for one year and then you look like they had never played baseball before. So it's just staying sustainable and just getting a few more opportunities and a few more resources to, you know, really help our guys thrive.
0: What about as a player, though? I mean, was there – if you weren't doing well at South Ark, you're going to hear about it from the community. Yeah,
5: no, I mean, I think so. And, and luckily, um, we've got a few local guys. I mean, our first baseman and our second baseman, they're both from town there. One of them is uh, – we call him the mayor of Parks Chapel. It's a little town. He's probably one of the best players I've ever coached. and. The first baseman, he's playing first force, and I didn't even let him play first force in high school. So, you know, guys really develop and guys really kind of change. And no, they definitely feel it. And I think, too, you know, we talk about guys like our third baseman Elijah Nichols and and our second baseman got cut from a pretty good juco and I think he's one of the best players in the nation. Um, So it's just, you know, guys are going to put pressure on themselves and I think it's up to us as coaches to kind of realize who you need to put pressure on um, and realize who you need to pull back and kind of tell them how good they are and hey man, you're good, like let's go, let's go to work.
0: How do you nurse a kid like that? They get cut from a program, they're going to come in with some baggage. How do you kind of nurse and and massage that ego a little bit? Like, hey, you're a good player. I know it didn't work out there, but you're a good player.
5: Yeah, you know, I'm trying to keep him from going and working a $40,000 job at the local refinery. Like, it's between us and them, and I don't have any scholarship money to give you, but I can give you an opportunity. And, you know, he came and tried out for us, and after his first swing, you know, I just looked at our assistant and I said, well, we just found our four-hole hitter. Um, and, And so that was really exciting. And it's just, I think we do a fine line of, Um, Our guys enjoy coming to the ballpark. You know, college baseball can be a grind. And I think if you ask any of our 38 players whether it's a grind, um, I'm afraid 95% of them are going to say no, and a part of me that hurts me a little bit. I think that's
0: positive. But any time somebody says it's a grind, I think they don't like they don't enjoy yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Like I completely tune out someone that says, "Hey, yeah. this is a grind." It means you're probably in it for the wrong
5: reasons. Yeah. So. No, and our guys really enjoy coming to the field, and they still after however many days we've been together, they still enjoy seeing each other and being around each other. And you know, 90% of our kids, I'd say, are really good kids, and the other 10% they kind of fall in line because they kind of have to. You know, so I, our guys really enjoy. Enjoy being at the ballpark. They have fun. Um, so we kind of live on the edge a little bit. Some people might say it's bush. We kind of stay on our gut, but we have fun. Um, and, and I really and if you if you've ever been in a four-game series and you've played back-to-back days and you're in Oklahoma and the wind's blowing out 40, um, you gotta have a little bit of humility to you and you got to be able to and we were tough last year. That's what we I can't tell you how many times the first two days we would get 10 runs, the next two days we come back and split. Um, And and I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but that resilience has kind of wore off into this year's team for sure.
0: Yeah, from a mentality standpoint, you better bring energy in a four-game series in in two days. Like, you have to. If you can't, you're going to get pounded.
5: Yeah, that's what we just – said. hey, the fourth game, it's like, hey, who's going to be the toughest? Who's going to have the most energy? You know, who's going to be the most resilient? And what position player is going to step up and pitch good today? It's kind of what it was last year and this year we've kind of – been able to expand that with our pitching staff but we've done a good job finishing series this year and that's been probably the biggest difference between last year and this year's team.
0: How was your inning ball experience?
5: It was good I loved it you know I you know signed with the Giants and had an elbow injury and never got to play an inning and um, played for Mike Pinto in the Southern Illinois Minors and you know I saw you were at Evansville for a while and Frontier um, League alumni. Yeah I uh the ballpark's really cool at Evansville, but I hated hitting there with that white building in the back. I think I had two hits there. Just don't there. face
0: the left-handed Yeah, pitcher I think there. I had
5: two hits there in my career, right? And so, but no, it was great. You know, I played at Marion. They don't even actually have a team in the minors anymore, but um, had a great host experience. And those people were actually in my wedding. They're like my grandparents now. And uh, I loved every second of them. And I tell everybody, I would have kept playing if it wasn't for, you know, having a wife and kids on the way. And it's like, well, I better go find a semi-real job. Um, so, no, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Thanks for your time, Coach. Thank you,
0: Rob. Kirsten Cutter, Lansing, second year and also second appearance here at the World Series. So congrats again, Coach. Thank you. Uh, it's not supposed to be this easy, is it?
6: No, no, not at all. It's uh, it's It's been incredible, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of people behind me, so.
0: Have you adjusted anything from last year and what you guys did last year?
6: Yeah, we've, we've adjusted a lot. We When we arrived last year, we kind of find out what we needed to do and then we built from there and our recruiting class is a little bit bigger a little bit stronger and um, you know we focused a little bit more on the things that really make a difference so yeah, it's it's been a big adjustment from year one to year two for sure
0: I mean what were your thoughts coming out of here last year after you were finished
6: I thought we didn't have guys that threw hard enough uh, we weren't uh, strong enough and I thought we were still even though we focused on it a lot with mental performance I th- still felt like we were a little mentally weak and so <clears throat> those were those are big adjustments in the mental performance area it's it's really hard to measure that until you're into the fire and then uh, so you don't necessarily know when you're doing a really good job preparing them until they're in the fire and, and so we, we came away last year with a lot of information, we were able to use that and it, it's certainly helped for this season for sure. So how
0: did you, when they got back to campus, how did you throw them into the fire a little bit more?
6: Yeah, we, we really, one of the first things that we did is when we started in August, we, we were able to play a 28-game fall schedule and we started playing mainly Division One baseball teams. And of course, in August, you know, a lot of our kids are straight out of high school. So they're, they're, they're playing guys that, uh, you know, are fourth or fifth years at, at times, you know. So that was, the, that was the best thing that we could do. As we've transitioned through here a little bit, we've, we've wondered how much that applies because that's August and September, and we're talking about like May and June at this point. But I think it was extremely valuable.
0: So physically, then, did you adjust lifting then for yeah. this year too?
6: Yeah. So we we brought brought in our own strength and conditioning coach. That was the first thing that, that we did, and then we hired our own registered dietitian. So then she uh, did a great job of keeping our boys in line and providing them with a absolute wealth of information on what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And then when we'd go on road trips and stuff, she'd provide them with, we'd provide her with an itinerary and she'd provide them with what they needed to have. Uh, Our dugout is filled with the same stuff and uh, we have an in-body machine at our college and so that was another thing that we're able to track as soon as they get on campus in August, we have them get on it and we can tell how much muscle they have in the left leg, right leg, ankle, whatever it might be. And then from there we can track that every about six to eight weeks and we find out how hard they're truly working outside of the classroom you know in in their lifts or what they're doing at their apartment or anything else
0: so what are some in-game snacks what do you have available on the bench for them uh, i was a big snack guy too like, yeah we had,
6: so we have we a ton it. of uh, fruits and vegetables and, and things like that so you always see bananas oranges in our dugout but you'll also see crackers uh, you'll see peanut butter, you, you'll, you'll see a, a whole mixture of granola bars, You know some things that are really good for them. Some quick energy things, you'll also find those. Some, sometimes those get misconstrued as bad, but sometimes that quick energy is, is really yeah, gummy important. gummy bears. I mean, yeah, the absolutely. that I've talked to, <laughs> yeah. they're yeah.
0: talking we, about which you would never, but we, we've, to get quick stuff in, We've seen
6: some of our outfielders actually run faster after eating gummy bears. Yeah. True story, unbelievable.
0: So then to get ready for tomorrow, would you feed them tonight?
6: Um, so, we're very scripted on what their meals are uh, and, and just somewhat depends on what time we play in the day, uh, super dependent. So, um, their meals are, are 100% scripted out just by on what time of day we play. This morning we played really early, so we had to, to move some stuff around, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that makes a huge difference in how they play, especially in a game that typically lasts, you know, three hours. It's a long duration.
0: Still with your same pre-game stuff, I saw no in and out still. You know, have you adjusted any of what they're doing for that time
6: period? We're using more of the the Audible this year. So we went to music and we started that in August and with really a couple pieces of music and getting them to lock in for you know three minutes and then we started working more on trying to get them to focus for about 10 to 13 seconds at a time so beyond the music piece we we work really hard on just getting them to focus and um, we have things like concentration grids and it's it's a whole decoupage of different things that we're doing to try to get them to to basically focus for short periods of time But right before a game, instead of taking in and out, uh, for the most part, the parks that we play at, we know them. We know that if it's turf or natural, we always get BP and we always get that other stuff. So we know what it looks like. We're able to get all of our reps in and anywhere 20 minutes before a ball game i feel it's way more important to work on the mental game than it is anything else they're, they're getting their throwing in they're getting their stretching in and everything else so this year we're using a lot more music and it's it's very consistent music and when they hear that music it's almost like a cue to just relax and and when the music comes out in our dugout what you'll notice is one at a time the uh, position players will start coming over and they'll start sitting down and then the next thing that you see is they're closing their eyes and you'll see um, breath coming in through their nose and out through their mouth and it's it's just something that we don't even have to say anymore they just they, they know you know, what's next?
0: It's a chef thing. They call it mise en place. They basically mm-hmm. lay all their ingredients out. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with routines. And mm-hmm. by the way, if you go to a minor league game or big league game, they're not taking it in and out before the game. <laughs> they right. take it before batting practice. Right. right. They get their arms mm-hmm. up and they take their in and out yeah. before VP. So it is more of a pro model with that. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of it, it limit some of the extra volume that guys get for yes. in and out too. It saves yes. a little bit of wear and tear on the arm also.
6: Yeah. And that's a big thing for a cold weather state team like ours where at times we're, we're playing 10 plus games in a week, you know, so it's a lot. What so, strength your team this year? Our hitting. You know, I say all the time hitters that hit the most hit the most and they also play the most. And in baseball you see that all the time with guys that are hitting are gonna play. Uh, we focus on hitting, we have a pro model for, for our hitting and that is something that we um, we truly believe in, that's a process we believe in, and we stick to it, and we hit a lot, and that is our main focus, and sometimes you'll see, we might have a couple errors on the board, and and you, you know, I'm like, well, we we don't, uh, we, we get our fair share of indie work in, but not like some other teams, you know, but we, we hit, and, and it's been good, I mean, we're top two in the country in total offense this year, so, you know, that success leaves clues a little bit. We know we're on the right track with that.
0: You did a great job extending your lead today. Yeah. You know, is that something you talk about with the guys, to like get a lead and then try to tack on to it? Because you did a really good job extending your lead today.
6: Yeah, anytime you have a, a high-powered offense, you know that you've got some really good odds there and hitting super contagious to begin with, so if, um, if we can do that, we're, we're always looking to do that. And we've had a lot of crooked innings this, this year. And, and as you know, anytime you've, you're getting crooked innings, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but it, it is somewhat humbling to, to be able to do what we've done this season. And, and as, you know, circling back a little bit to, to be able to come back again in our second season, it is, it's a gift that, you know, this is, is really a gift and it's, uh, it's incredibly humbling for sure.
0: Advice for a coach that's trying to get to maybe a level they haven't got to before, what would you have for them?
6: You have to be able to give 100%, and to be able to give 100%, you've got to be willing to go all in on what you're trying to do as as a coach. And... um, that's that's by far the most important things. You, you see people trying to do different things and, and they've got this thing going or that thing going. And at the end of the day, you might be given 60% of this or 40% of that, You know, this job, that job. Uh, to really be able to, to do th- special things, you need, need to be able to give 100% at what you're doing.
0: Now back to the funnel for your guys, besides concentration grids, because it, it's a lot of 13 to 15 second funnels mm-hmm. in a game where check out, check back in. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that you've added in to help them develop that concentration? Because they don't need a lot of it, but when they have to concentrate, it's time to get locked into what they're doing.
6: And, and so we've had to adjust. What we built in the fall, we had to completely adjust in the spring because of the clocks. And, and at our level, it's really hard because we do not have clocks on the field. And so we're going off and umpires feel, and their feel in every game is a little bit different because some guys will let things roll and some are are right on it. And so it's extremely hard. And we don't have a clue what that clock is. So we had built in things for our position players and our pitchers uh, with things that are pre-built on the field and where they're at. And, and That was a big play. <laughs> um, Love it. So uh, distractions. We, so, so get back so, to the funnel we yeah. get some distractions And Go So on. It, with our hitters and stuff we were we were using the foul poles and um, the, the the right field pole you would see every hitter going to the right field pole if they're in the right right frame of mind and feeling good they might have fouled something off or the but you're you're seeing them go to the right field foul pole left field foul pole leaving things behind that was a big Brian kane thing We bring all that stuff in and then pretty soon we're getting strikes called. <laughs> and we're like, oh my gosh, pitchers were the same thing you would you would see a lot you still see our pitchers doing it, but it's it's um, cut down now. It's
0: abbreviated now. It, it's in sure, big it, leagues now, too. Those guys have had to abbreviate what they're doing, too.
6: But they have clocks, yeah. and that's the difference. Yep. So it's really, really challenging. So uh, around those lines, we still have things um, that were built in for all of our position players, all of our pitchers. It's just somewhat abbreviated at this point. And then as we go through the innings, w- we have some words that we'll start dropping in innings. Um, And and we have uh, things in our dugout that aren't just signs to put on a t-shirt, they actually mean something. And I'm not taking away from anything uh, that anybody else has in their dugout, but I'm just saying that we've got a few words in there that actually mean something to them, and sometimes we just direct them to, uh, hey, take a look at this again. And it's amazing how much you can get people to pull on the rope the same way when uh, you start showing them like, this is how you can do really well in tough environments. you know.
0: Did you develop that in the fall? So some of those special meanings to the team, did you develop those throughout the fall?
6: Yeah, we developed them as the team kind of grew. It wasn't a standard that I had in place and it's, you know, this is what we're gonna do this year. It was more um, as the team grew, mortar was a big word for us. We we built a wall, had kids write uh, their names on bricks and different things. And uh, they, they built a wall at our stadium, and and that's looking at that now. That's that's pretty cool for sure. Um, but we 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 teach them, you know, about those kind of things and and how. Uh, you know how mortar isn't all created equal it's, it's it's all dependent on how you mix that mortar you know how how solid that mortar really is and then it's also dependent on the the brick layer that's putting it on there are they putting enough mortar on there you know and so we do those different things to kind of get them to think outside the box a little bit and then pretty soon you're you're seeing mortar signs in our dugout you know just different things i'm like all right let's roll with it you know Okay, your team
0: picture's in front of a plane. You have a plane on campus? We do. So is that, I know you guys are the stars, so does that have any meaning for y'all with the plane?
6: Yeah, we have an aviation department at LCC, so we're fortunate with that. So, yeah. Do you have any guys going into that program? We don't, we don't, at least not yet. Not yet, but it's, it's, we're incredibly blessed. We have a helicopter. We have different things. And, of course, uh, word gets around, around on that stuff. And I've got people asking me, are you taking the helicopter to uh, coaching showcases? And I'm like, no, no, no it's Judy College. I'm, I'm not. But, yeah, uh, incredibly fortunate with that, too. Yeah, for sure.
0: Thanks for your time, Coach. Congrats again. Appreciate it. Thank you, it. Ryan. Thank you, sir.
6: I appreciate it.
0: Alright, here Justin Schulte, 16th season at Southeastern, but was at Mount Mercy before that, it's the 23rd season overall as head coach. Justin, thanks for jumping on with me.
2: Appreciate it.
0: You know, we go way back. Um, you know, you were one of the first guys I met when I got to Iowa, so we do go way back. I have a lot of respect for the program that you built at Southeastern. Talk a little bit about how you manage some of your resources. You don't have some of the resources some of the other schools, and you've done a, a great job. You've built an elite program there.
2: Yeah, it's been you know. I always we talk a lot about where there's a lot of good names in the Midwest, JUCOs, and you know when people start talking about those names, we're usually not at the top of that list. But that, that's always been okay with us. Um, we've really always been just about the right kids, getting the right kids that uh, you know want to get after it and uh, want to get after it for nine months because it's a nine-month process and and uh, you know we. We lose a lot of kids along the way, but uh, usually by, by April, May, we got a pretty good, tough group of kids that are competing for a chance to be here.
0: How so, good is the Iowa Conference? I mean, I, I know how good you are. I lived in that area, but how good is the Iowa Conference? It's
2: good. They're, it's really quality coaches um, and um, programs with really good resources, really good names. Um, you know, it's our league's a great example of. I think there's been six teams in our league here in the last ten years, and um, it's not. There's some really good programs that, you know, don't just repeat and repeat and repeat, and uh, it's just a battle. That sixteen regionals, a uh, it's a bloodbath for about four days. So.
0: Yeah, this is your second appearance. I mean, talk about you guys battled to get through the, the conference tournament this year. Talk about your conference tournament run.
2: Yeah, we we played really good baseball. Um, we we beat Kirkwood early. Uh, played a really good game. Um, then we beat Iowa Central twice. We, they were they won our league and and got great arms and and both teams well coached of course and um, we just really played well. We took great at bats all weekend. Um, threw extremely well. I think we we walked less than five guys in three games and and uh, and we you know we. We currently lead the country in defense, and that's kind of been our calling card all year. We just play really good defense. And
0: yeah, and I was going to ask you the strength of your team. Is it pitching and defense this year?
2: Yeah, I think strength of our team is our defense. Um, we're, I think we're in the top ten in the country in walks per nine innings, and, and then we've we've had a really good year offensively. Coach McVeigh's done a great job, um, and this isn't a team that's, you know, it's it's. You know, we've had a lot of great players and teams, but this is probably not one of our top 10 talent teams since I've been there. It's it's a group that's pieced together a little bit. We're missing four opening day starters right now, and uh, it's a tribute to the, the toughness of the kids behind them and kids stepping up. And um, yeah, it's been it's been impressive to me, like as a coach, to watch guys just step in and and create big situations for themselves and and uh, just looks like a really good competitive team right now.
0: You've always had really good Latin players. It sounds like your middle guys are, are Latin players. Talk about your, just your pipeline. You've been going down there forever, probably maybe before some other schools were too. Just talk about that process for you.
2: Yeah, it's um, something that we've got a little niche in. Our shortstop's a heck of a player, defensive player of the year in our league. Our second baseman's actually from New Zealand, um, but I guess, we try to recruit the best players in the Iowa and the Midwest, but if we don't get the top-end guys, we're not, I hate to say it, we're not gonna sell for the second-tier guys. We're gonna try to find some top-tier guys elsewhere, and that's that's how it's become a niche for us. And we've had a lot of shortstops from not the U.S., let's put it that way. So um, uh, our catcher is out for the year, but uh, probably, probably as good a catcher as there is in the Midwest. Um, broke his hand. Uh, with 15 games left in the year and um, Caleb Wolf filled in there and done a great job wasn't even a catcher at the time um, that's how that's kind of how signed. our run is yep. yeah coach so is um, so yeah it's we've had great success in, in Latin America and Venezuela Dominican Republic Puerto Rico and, and um, yeah we've always had a little bit of uh, Latin flavor on our lineup you've always been
0: big on accountability how do you do that now with so much outside noise with social media with parents there's a lot of outside noise from an accountability standpoint how are you able to keep doing that year after year
2: uh, i think we talk a lot about reality what real life is um real life isn't facebook and mom and dad posting that you're three for four and and uh real life is the next game and trying to keep guys in the moment at all times and and uh, we we do things a little different. I've, you know, when when we're getting recruited against, it's usually about me and how I run a program and how tight ship it is, and um, I'm okay with that because we end up getting the right kids. But um, but yeah, there's a lot of accountability, um, respect is a big thing in our program, and humbleness, and, and um, you know, those are those are things that we're always going to try to hold our hold our head by because. Uh, you know they don't they don't they're consistent they can be consistent you know you can't be a up and down team uh, emotionally um you got to try to stay steady to to be as consistent as we've been for a long time so
0: is that a benefit of recruiting international students it just seems like there's not as much entitlement as maybe some american players with their international students
2: absolutely um they're very i'd say 90 percent of them are super grateful for the opportunity and and um you know, they want to do everything they can not to go back. So they're they're pretty coachable kids. Um, but yeah, they're we've had some just excellent kids, uh, great players obviously, but just better kids. And the relationships I still have, and the text messages I get from those guys like the last couple weeks, it's, it's just been phenomenal. So
0: you're on two Midwest coaching lab at gyms with Dwayne Banks and Jim Mackiskay. Just talk about those two guys a little bit.
2: Yeah, um, obviously I got to grow up in a, you know, really interesting era of baseball. Uh, there's a movie made about our hometown, so, um, you know, we just grew up expecting to win. And I always tell people we won state titles and we celebrated and we got second. Nobody cared. We we got off the bus and went home. And um, it was just different. You grew up with three brothers and ten state titles in your house and and um, you know one of the highlights of my life was last summer coaching Cooper's high school state title team. Um, you know I had three in high school and I never got my fourth till last year so it took me 30 years but that was definitely a highlight to celebrate that with him and and uh, coach Vance Goy, no-nonsense guy and um, you know just you knew what to expect and he knew how to act and if he didn't he he was going to let you know it and coach banks it was pretty intense uh every day and and um but uh, both guys were winners and and learned a lot from them learned a lot about uh about the game of baseball and and just you know what a, what a good baseball game or what a good baseball team should look like. I
0: mean, what is it about growing up around winning programs? I think it breeds success later on because not not that you take it for granted, but I think you know how to work towards that championship goal.
2: Yeah, I think um, it's, it was. I mean, when you were ten years old, you you just it felt like looking back on it, you knew how to win, you knew how to execute little things, you knew what. 90 feet man, or 60 feet at the time, whatever it was, you knew what that meant, and and we've always tried to relay that to our kids, you know, I've I've coached youth baseball, I've coached high school baseball all in the last 10 years, and my message isn't any different, That's, that's the crazy part, it's, I'm talking about the same things to 18 to 20 year olds, I was talking to 12 year olds, and it's a game of baseball, and it's, it's not as simple as the world of analytics makes makes it want to be right now it's or it's not as hard as they want to make it be in my opinion it's still a simple game and if you if you throw strikes you take out bats and you play good defense you've you really got a chance to uh, play nine innings of clean baseball you got a chance to win at the end Do you have more fun with the ten to twelve year olds later on <laughs> yeah later on i did as i as I, as i uh, as they got to know me i guess i I was I'm kind of no-nonsense too, so I, I didn't treat them much different, and, uh, but I enjoyed the heck out of it by the time I did it for three years. so And so, two of them are playing for me now, so it's been fun.
0: you been phenomenal mentoring assistant coaches, have had a lot of successful coaches come out of your program, you know, what are some keys to developing your assistant coaches?
2: Uh, give, them, give them accountability, give them ownership. Um, I've, I have. I mean, you talk about look being, at the laundry list. You, of guys talk about being blessed with uh, good coaches, Stanek and PJ McInty and John McVeigh with me now, and um, it's just been. And I've had guys that didn't stay in college baseball, phenomenal coaches as well that ended up being great high school coaches. But yeah, to CJ Tilke and and um, yeah, it's been. I think the biggest thing is that they're in charge of something and. and when they're in charge of something and that doesn't go well, and they feel the heat or the responsibility that man, my guys didn't step up today. I think that creates that accountability that you want from your assistants and ownership, and and um, you know, I've been fortunate. They, they're they're hard recruiters and and excellent teachers, and that's one thing I've always tried to. Uh, Hire as good teachers, above anything else, I I want to be able to relay what we want to do on a daily basis, and and like I said, I've been fortunate to coach some really great ones.
0: How do you balance that as a head coach where you want to give them freedom, but you don't want to micromanage, but they also need to get the job done too. How do you manage that as a head coach?
2: Uh, I just think you you create the expectations of what you want it to look like. Um, You show them the past. Um, I think that's something I've done a lot in the last three or four years. Is talk more about our history to our players and our coaches, and um, you know, here's here's what our offensive here's what our offense looks like, and here's what our pitching numbers look like. And hey, we've led the nation in defense twice in the last 10 years, and we lead our league nine out of the last 10. And this is what it it needs to look like, and and that's consistency and. Um, you know, and relentlessness. I mean, our guys better play hard; they're they're not going to play, and um, and that's just something that that message needs to be continued from me to them to the players. And if the players hear the same message all the, every day from everybody, it, it gets it gets there, it gets through.
0: And as part of that not taking that for granted, I mean, you've been there 16 years, so some of these kids were just born. You're getting into that age where they weren't even born, where you do have to tell them about the program. You're proud of your program. You have to kind of tell that history of the program because they don't know the history. Of the program.
2: Well, that's a great point, and I, with about three years ago, I, I felt like I was taken for granted, and I really started emphasizing some things within our program. Um, you know, I, I put every kid that's ever started every position and their numbers, and, and, Combined them and posted them and then our guys got to see and I made them ask questions about individual players and just different ways to kind of relay that history and I, I helped a lot and um, Now we've built a team room in our office and it's got all kinds of history and former players and pro players and Division one and all, all regional all Americans and, and now it's, it's, it's there every day the history is there every day because the hardest thing to Convince kids is winning's hard. Um, there's kids that show up and they think they're going to win because they're at Southeastern, and that's not how we win. We win because of how we go about it from August to February, and um, we never take it for granted that how hard it is to win every year and, and be an elite program. Hopefully, and um, you know, I feel like it gets harder. It gets harder with social media and everybody telling them how good they are. You know, it's it's frightening to win the first game of the World Series and these guys get a day off and have to hear how great they are. And you know, hopefully they show up tonight and play well, but and understand they're not as good as they, everybody's telling them they are. They still got to play the game, so.
0: Was that hard for you? You're so humble to get out of your comfort zone. I'm sure it's difficult for you to talk about the history of the program because you are so humble. Did you have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit to, to get to that point?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit because I've always just worried about August 15th or whenever the guys get there, and that's that's the only concern. We don't worry about what we did last year and five years ago and ten years ago and and, you know, but that message of we're only going to be as good as we are today, um, it, it has to be there every day. Like, we have to get better at practice every day. The biggest game of the year is the, is the next game on the schedule. Uh, I've never been, I hate talking about rivalries. I hate, we don't have rivalries in our program, we don't have big games in our program. Um, I heard Anthony Gillich say this a while back on a podcast, every game's game seven, even in the fall, and I've adopted that. Well, my son's playing for him, but I've adopted that a little bit as well. And, and um, you know, because junior college baseball's different. Your scholarship could be out there every game. So you take a game off and you don't know who's there, and all of a sudden uh, you retired or didn't, didn't compete as hard as you did. The day before, because we were playing such and such, that's that's BS in my opinion. So, junior college is a little bit different, where you know we kind of talk about every game's a bar fight. Everybody's out there holding a scholarship, and and you're trying to get yours, and and uh, on the selfish end of it. But you know, on the team end, you're still putting the uniform on, and if you're playing the game for the right reason, every day your numbers will take care of themselves, your scholarship will take care of itself, and. And you'll have some decent opportunities once all said and done if you go about everything the right way. And I'll definitely help you get to where you need to be. Do you miss the Iowa State tournament
0: being in Des Moines?
2: Uh, after winning it at a different place, no. But <laughs> but, uh, but it, it was neat up there. I liked it for the, I liked it for the camaraderie of us. So my coaches, great memories. Yeah, are at the Iowa I State. I liked tournament. that. Enjoyed that. And I haven't been to the state tournament. Well, the last one I went to uh, was uh, the last time it was in Des Moines. It was two years ago. So I've been to the last two, so I never got to recruit it. <laughs> so, um, but, um, yeah, I, I liked it there. But uh, like I said, it was neat and Carroll. Um, I'd like to see them go back and forth and let the 1A and 2A play in Iowa City once in a while, but every other year or something. But it is what it is. It's, it works out good. You were really
0: involved with Cooper's development growing up. It seemed like you were around a lot. You feel like that helped him?
2: Yeah, I, I, I wasn't the, uh, we got to go, man. You got to go work out today. He's more of the dragging me to the field. I never had to ask him to go. Um, but as far as his development, he was just around it. He heard the same message that I've talked to our kids about. And he, he understands baseball. He understands work ethic. He understands winning baseball. Um, he understands leadership. I think he's a great leader. And, and um, you know, I just wish him the best moving forward. I hope he can have a good sophomore year and land in a nice place in two years. So. And you and I
0: talked about it. I still wish he was playing for you. But I know he's yeah. in a good situation at Central. Yeah. I love Coach Gillich, but I still wish he was
2: playing yeah, for you. Yeah, if I didn't coach him for seven straight years, from 12U to high school, I would have looked on it different. But I figured seven years, um, I thought that was time for a different voice and and get away from dad and uh, it's been hard at times I know it's harder on my wife than me but um, but I've enjoyed you know watching his development and he struggled a little bit this year and that wasn't hurt that wasn't gonna, that's not gonna kill him long term and those are things he needs to go through so
7: thanks for your
0: time Jesse. you bet appreciate it here
7: with Chris Razzo, Hartland,
0: what year has it been since you got there, Chris? It's been a while.
7: Uh, three and a half. First year was the COVID yep. year.
0: And Actually, not that it's ever easy, but you made it look pretty easy getting here.
7: Yeah, you know, it's definitely been an easier path, than I think maybe quicker than what we thought we'd get it kind of going in the right direction. Um, these last years have been pretty special.
0: You got big hits last night from the guys that you needed to get big hits from. It was a really good game early and then some traffic know Lackawanna probably can't work around those guys first and third but you got the hits out of the guys that you need to get hits from last night.
7: Yeah no doubt Um, more and more we look at this year the three big guys we had returning have definitely stepped up in those type of situations so that's something we kind of expected and we said the whole time we've been a nine inning team and we're waiting for nine inning games all year and we always are pretty confident that eventually it's going to kind of break open. How do you balance that
0: though where it's You know you're going to probably be there, but you can't rely on that too. It would be nice to get out front a little bit. You know, is there that kind of blending of like, we can't wait around. We don't want to put pressure on ourselves, but we also can't wait around either.
7: Yeah, it's been an interesting group. You know, usually every team either is an early team or a late team, and with this group, it's been, we've had games, we score 10 runs in the first inning. And we have games like last night where we just kind of wait around and hang out and feel it out. Um, We're confident in either direction. I think it's been one of those things as groups just kind of adapted to whatever the game vibe kind of is. We ride with it. We we necessarily don't always set the tone and we just kind of see what the other team's style is and then we just adjust to it. What did you
0: learn from last year's experience?
7: Uh, I think the biggest thing is our guys returning knew what to expect. I think from a coaching standpoint we didn't really change much on our philosophy with everything. Uh, I think last year's group was getting here was the goal. And I think this year's group, we really emphasized, hey, it's all about just getting there again, because we know what make or breaks once you're here, and it's just clean baseball. And so I think that's kind of been the biggest thing, is they know what it takes to win and what it takes to lose here.
0: How do you handle that with your new guys coming in? Because obviously they weren't here last year and and maybe, not that there's entitlement, but maybe they think it's going to be a little easier than, than what it actually is.
7: Yeah, I think the biggest thing was with our sophomore group and those main core guys we had returning, they're a very special group of guys from the message not being anything other than, hey, this is hard work, this isn't guaranteed, and and I think they set the tone with our new guys where the new guys almost felt like there was a different type of pressure to return, not necessarily a, hey, this is going to take care of itself. Uh, It was more of a, hey, we have to step it up or we're not going to reach the goal. I mean, you do have
0: some pieces back from last year. It looks like you have a little more team speed this year than last year.
7: Yeah, um, we added some pieces that definitely helped that. T.J. Williams is arguably the fastest kid in the country. I mean, being five foot three, you probably have to be to play this game. Um, so he makes us look a lot faster, and we do recruit that type of kid. We want the undersized speed guy.
0: I loved last night. You're down. You're still running, though. I mean, is that the mentality to, like, just keep playing regardless of what the scoreboard is?
7: Yep. Our, our philosophy always is play our game. We just play our game, which our game, again, is work at-bats, steal bags, dirt ball reads, just kind of do the little things. And if you have some talent and do the little things, that's a recipe for success. You ever think about, because obviously you get here, you're going to be challenged a little bit more. Do you ever think about maybe challenging a little
0: bit more with your schedule during the year? I mean, 50 wins is a lot of wins.
7: Yeah, and that's always been the tough part. With where we're at in Illinois, there's a lot of good Division 1 teams around that we can play, but it's just matching up the scheduling and for them it gets complicated with the recruiting side of things and sometimes they don't want to play us and it just becomes kind of that back and forth um, and to be honest with you with the cost of travel nowadays it's, it's tough for us to even afford to get over and you know we wish we could get over and play all those Iowa schools every year but it's kind of we have to pick and choose which one we go and play. Um, Spring. But with turf, I mean, your, your yeah. schedule, you're going to be able to play more home
0: games, too.
7: Correct. And so it is always we can invite people to come to us, but then they run into the same problem with the financial side of things of getting a bus and actually getting to us. It's expensive. And with the spring trips and things, it gets a little complicated. And next year, we definitely are trying something different than we've done in the past where we always just go to Florida and you don't really pick who you play. It's just whoever you're kind of assigned to, where this year we're going to have more of a control over who we're playing on our spring trip.
0: Been able to keep your assistance around. I mean, how... how great is that with continuity you look at every staff usually the assistants hang around for a while so how great is that for you?
7: Yeah it's been I think it's one of those things that I appreciated it and then I've really appreciated it the last two years. Uh, The two guys that I have with Adam McGinnis and Tyler Albright they make my job pretty easy. They're willing to do everything and the little stuff the big stuff and they both have the division one experience from the coaching side and I don't and so that's a nice little dynamic that we have where again they made my job pretty easy and handle all the stuff that I maybe don't want to handle and they have a lot of knowledge of just the game in general. Is that also a benefit too because they've been there because the grass isn't always greener on the other side? Yeah and we always laugh about that where you know coach McGinnis didn't experience JUCO um, at all and he always talks about how he wishes he would have but at the same time he absolutely loved going four-year uh, and he went with the mid-major route and then coach Albright tells everybody and all our recruits he tried to come to Harlan and was told he wasn't good enough. So he went a different JUCO and then still ended up working to get to Division One. And then obviously with my route of going JUCO to Division One, it's like each one of us can check off every box that any one of our guys have. Now we have some outliers where it's, hey, this guy's a draft guy, and that's why he's with us. And I don't think any of us out of the three were ever kind of that. Um, but it definitely helps with this communication side of things.
0: And how much of a benefit is it having K's Academy right there in town for y'all?
7: It helps. There's no doubt about that. Um, from a standpoint of giving our guys kind of another option in the summer where – especially arm-wise. Some of our pitchers don't need to go out and play in the Cape or wherever and eat up a bunch of innings. It's, hey, let's break things down or kind of intensify things to get a velo jump or anything of that nature. And then the relationship that we've had with Josh, where he gives access to kind of any of the college guys in town, where it doesn't just benefit us, it benefits ISU and it benefits Wesleyan. And he just, again, he wants everybody around there just to be better. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody.
0: What is the cutoff for you as
7: far as who goes out in the summer? Um, You know, I kind of leave that up to the guys a lot. There are some arms that we advise against it just based upon doing the math of sitting down and saying how many did you throw in the summer, how many did you throw last summer, and and you sit down and with us having a full fall, I think that's the biggest thing. And with our sophomores next year, so the freshmen this year, they need to be 100% by the fall. And that's such a weird dynamic of trying to balance that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the difference for JUCO guys is they need to be at 100% and they're going to start to get looks for their sophomore year.
7: Yeah, yeah and that's always the tough part is, you know, we've had, I like think we had two guys who were up in the Northwoods this year, and it was a great experience for them. But the tricky part was they had about two outings in the fall, and then they were just gassed. And so then those later fall events where there's some different schools coming out and they're not even available, it's a fine line. Um, but I think a lot of the freshman arms who don't eat up a ton of innings and say, get out there, play some summer ball in the beginning, then shut it down and start building back up. Yeah, so say that happens. You got a guy,
0: throws all spring, he's been throwing since the fall, throws the first half of summer ball. How do you then manage them to on-ramp them back for the fall?
7: Yeah, it's kind of a weird dynamic where we basically intensify it quickly and plan out their fall of, hey, here's your three to four starts, work around that, and then shut it down. So it's almost like a, hey, rest, recover quickly, ramp it up, and then shut it down again. Um, The perfect route is usually the shows up, freshman year, then recovers the whole entire summer, plays a little towards the end, rolls right into the fall. That's the preference, but at the same time, it's just, it's tough.
0: Thanks for your time, Coach. Yeah, appreciate it. I feel fortunate to be able to travel to the different championships and interview coaches at every level. It's a great time for coaching at all levels of baseball. Really happy to be a small part of telling these stories. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Jim Richardson, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email rbrownleeatabc.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ABC or direct message me via the MyABC app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave a better for those behind you.